you know when you're working a night shift and it's 3 a.m. and it's like, are we drunk or delirious? I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. And you're listening to Drunk or Delirious, a night shift podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of Drunk or Delirious. We are your hosts, uh, Emily and Hannah. Hey guys, um, we are super excited. This week, we have our very first guest, my friend Sarah. Um, We worked together and met in Pittsburgh, and when I left to do my travel nurse thing, she started pursuing becoming a neonatal nurse practitioner, and um, her Instagram also blew up. She's also known as NICU Nerd. Um, So Sarah, we're super excited to have you on. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited for my first podcast appearance. I'm a little nervous. We're so so excited to have you. I'm surprised you um, haven't been on any yet. I know. I I know. I've done a few lives and I was like sweating for this. Oh my God, I would be too. Yeah, There's probably like an expectation of like, or like you think there's an expectation of like what people think you are. And then you're like, am am I that person? Like a little bit of imposter syndrome. Oh, well, yeah, right. and because NICU Nerd was anonymous for so long, by the time I oh. even just posted a picture of myself, like, it took two years to just do that, so. Oh, my God. For me okay. to get on a live was, like, so was outside so... of my comfort zone. <laughs> I know. I didn't know it was you for the longest time, and then I was like, wait a second. Sarah, yeah, I think so it was funny. two years. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. Oh well, do you want to do a little um, bio of just kind of, like, where you grew up, where you're from? who you are, whatever you want to tell us. Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm Sarah. I'm from Pittsburgh. Most of you know me as NICU nerd. Um, Like Hannah said, I started in the NICU as a new grad in Pittsburgh. um, And I've actually only worked in one NICU for my whole nursing career. Um, So I've been in that NICU for um, almost six years now. And I worked as a nurse for about three years before starting neonatal nurse practitioner school. Um, And then I just graduated last December. So I've been working as an NNP for just about a year coming up on that, um, which is surreal. (laughs) That's so awesome. Yeah. Super proud of you. It's surreal. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a dream. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I bet. I bet that like intimidates me so much. (laughs) Nurse practitioner school. I'm like, Ooh, I am. I am lazy. (laughs) I know. That's a commitment. That's a commitment. It's been really cool. Like, I mean, even though I quickly came back to the old unit and then bounced, but um, it was really (laughs) cool to like see her in her element and just be like, oh my gosh, she's a real nurse practitioner. She she crushes it. So cool. So I know. And you got to see me at the very beginning too, when I was just in full panic mode every shift. Mm -hmm. I know, intubating, Which, like all this stuff. I was like, damn. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. That's- it's only like half panic mode now after about a year, but yeah. There's still a lot of a lot of panic days. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Learning a little bit each and every day. Yeah. Um, do you want to do that icebreaker? For years. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we were trying to come up with an icebreaker to ask all of our guests. And we're going to do Would You Rather, Nikki edition. So, (laughs) oh gosh, Hannah, I'm probably going to butcher this. Um, Would you you rather have a baby um, vomit up breast milk down your uh, inside of your scrubs? Or would you rather change a nasty leaking ostomy bag every hour for your entire shift? Um, definitely the breast milk down the scrubs. <laughs> One and down. done. Don't don't even have to think about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, because you can go change your scrubs. Yeah. Hopefully, um, yeah. It's yeah. So the feeling of like your wet scrubs touching your skin, and you know that it is like stomach content and like boob juice is just foul it's like multiple would, yeah bodily fluids I would multiple still levels take that even like of a bare umbilical cord like a fresh wet umbilical cord touching oh. your bare arm every NICU oh. nurse knows oh. that feeling and like, labor and delivery and postpartum it's shockingly cold and oh my god it's, it's it's, <laughs> oh the, the um <laughs> The consistency of it and the, ew, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Level something. three joys. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that thank you funny. for answering that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Um, well, let's get into this. Um, so I guess what made you want to become a neonatal nurse practitioner? Did you kind of always know that that was what you wanted to do? Or did you start NICU nursing and then decide? Or how did you initially get into it? So I knew that I wanted to be an NP when I started nursing school. So I did like a second degree nursing program. And I was torn between doing nursing or going to PA school at that point in time. So my goal was always to be an NP. I didn't know I wanted to be a NICU nurse until um, I had my peds rotation and we had, I was at the children's hospital and I was just on a general med surge floor, I think. But there was a baby there that was recovering from gastroschisis surgery, um, like getting ready to go home. He was totally better bottle feeding and I had never even heard of gastroschisis. And so when I was looking it up, it's like, how is this tiny baby, like a month old, recovering from all of this? And is I just fed him a bottle and he's going to go home in a couple of days. So from that moment, I knew that I wanted to be a NICU nurse. I only applied to NICU jobs um, right out of nursing school. And I didn't know what kind of nurse practitioner I wanted to be, though, until a couple of years in the NICU. So. I had thought that I wanted to be a pediatric nurse practitioner just to open up options. Um, Once you commit to being an NNP, your realm is so small. So you're committing to the NICU weekends, nights, holidays for the rest of your life, basically, because you're pretty much never going to work outside of a NICU. Right. Um, So I took a casual job at a pediatric urgent care just like a couple years into nursing and I hated it so much. I thought that (laughs) I thought that I would love it. And I just, I hated every part of it. I was so bored. I had no idea what to do with toddlers and children, Mm -hmm. which I love. I love toddlers and kids, but I had no idea how to handle them in a nursing role. 
yeah. once they could tell me no. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to reason with a two-year-old. Like, oh, yeah. you don't want to get weighed? Okay. I guess we just won't. Right. Um, <laughs> you don't want to take your meds? Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Can shove it down your throat? Um, so I hated that. And I was just bored out of my mind. Um, so I was actually applying to pediatric NP programs at that point. Oh. And thank God I took that job because then I just would have hated being a PNP. True. Um, yeah. So it took trying something else really to commit to wanting to stay in the NICU. Just because every day I worked at that casual job, I wanted to be working in the NICU instead. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess that's my sign. Um, so I applied for the next round of NNP school after that happened and um, just went into it right from there. I went straight through. I did school full time and I switched to part time at work once my clinical year started. Um, so the two years flew by. Yeah. And when it was looking back, it already feels like so long ago. Um, but the two years really did fly by. and. Honestly, NP school was a piece of cake compared to like the transition of becoming an NP, the RN to NP role. Like sure. this first this first year of being an NP was way harder than school was. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. What do you think was the hardest <laughs> yeah. about it? Was it like just especially maybe being in the same unit, going from one role to the next? Was it just like was it in your head weird more or was it like I don't know. What was the hardest thing about it? I'm sure there were so many things. Yeah. So I think being on the same unit, like I said, I worked in the same NICU forever and I did all of my clinicals there. So my mm-hmm. experience is very isolated. Um, so even that just a little bit plays into the imposter syndrome. Like maybe I really don't know anything just because I've never seen how things are done elsewhere. Yeah. So I think that hurt my confidence a little bit, but I think it helped my confidence in a sense that I knew everyone already. Mm -hmm. Um, I already had so many friends on the unit. I already knew all of the physicians. I kind of had a little bit of an understanding of what their preferences were. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that would be so hard going somewhere totally different and learning all, all of the physicians and learning how they approach things because as you both know, I'm sure every physician approaches everything totally differently. (laughs) Um, Like even if the end goal is the same, they all have such different preferences and kind of having an understanding of those preferences just from working with them and then seeing the NNP side of things in my clinical year really helped. Um, But the hardest part was honestly just shifting your mindset. So you go from an RN at the bedside, you have like one to three, maybe four patients on a bad day. And you're, you know, every single thing about them. You're in their bed every three hours and you feel pretty confident that you're not going to miss something because you're always looking at them. And then you get thrown into the NP role where you have anywhere from 10 to 20 patients and you don't even have time at least in our NICU, half the time you don't even have time to assess them Mm -hmm. until maybe after rounds. Like maybe at some point in the day you can find time to actually go in and do a full exam on them. So 
it was just this constant fear that you're going to miss something. And then every time a nurse would call me to the bedside, the honest to God, the hardest part was not, not wanting to miss something, but also not being confident enough to wait and watch with anything. So as you guys know, when you're a nurse, the most frustrating thing is when you call someone repeatedly, like, I don't have a good feeling. This baby looks mm-hmm. off. Their belly looks big, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if someone's not doing anything, you just feel like you're being ignored. Right. So and I then as so... the bedside nurse, you're like, chart, 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 told S. Monroe yeah. and MP, like, <laughs> yeah. we'll continue to monitor. <laughs> yes. So it's a, it was a really fine line between you don't want to order an x-ray on every single baby that has a spit. Mm-hmm. Or every single baby where their belly looks a little bit big. But then it was just that like crippling fear of, oh my God, but what if this baby has neck and I'm missing it? Mm-hmm. And then I would always just feel so self-conscious about if I didn't do something and I did miss it, like, oh, now I'm going to have a reputation on the unit of someone who missed a bad neck or something. So, and that is still something that I'm dealing with. And I'm sure every nurse yeah. practitioner or a PA, regardless of how much experience you have, I think everyone is going to feel that way. Um, but over time, you just get more confident. And luckily, there's a lot of people, because I knew them, that I'm confident leaning on for second opinions. And I'm happy that all of our coworkers, in my hospital at least, have been like so encouraging and nice. and never made me feel bad about second guessing something, even if I knew the answer, just throwing it by them again. Like, I just need you to tell me that it's also okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've noticed since I've been back, I mean, it's super different than when it, like when we both first started, Mm -hmm. obviously, but I don't know. There's parts of it that I feel like that's one of its strengths. I think mm-hmm. um, the, the teamwork and I've noticed like even a lot of the newer PAs and stuff, like I feel like you all work really well together and um, yeah, lean on each other and are helping each other to learn and grow, which is awesome. So I feel like I've noticed that too, a good support system. Yeah. That's probably the best part of staying within the same hospital was already having a support system to begin with, like not even just from, the more senior NPs that were training me, but even just from the senior nurses on the unit have just been so encouraging, which Mm -hmm. I don't know how I would have dealt without having people that I already knew and trusted there with me. It, I can't, it would have been so much harder. Yeah. Like just moving to a new, like new city or new hospital or any part of that, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. Do you think you ever uh, would yeah. switch NICUs or no? Um, I don't think so unless I leave Pittsburgh, which I don't think will happen until very far down the road, if ever. Um, yeah. I could see myself maybe doing like locums for a few years just for something to do, but mm-hmm. I don't see myself leaving my current job in any capacity for several years at least yeah hopefully I keep feeling that way I I hope so too (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
it's harder as more and more nurses leave. But honestly, like mm-hmm. the grass is not always greener. I mean, like, yeah, it's just it's like that everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, every hospital unit, NICU, whatever unit you're working on is just everywhere is going to have bumps and bruises. And I always stand by the thought that we're spoiled in the NICU, even on our bad days. We're spoiled in terms of ratios and Mm -hmm. yeah what our busy day looks like obviously it can be emotionally traumatizing at sometimes but I couldn't um, I couldn't survive one day on an adult ICU floor so me either I couldn't either well I I did that once and I cried so (laughs) (laughs) can you tell us a little bit more about like I don't know the um school like the schooling like what kind of courses you had to take and um like what I mean your clinical was at the same unit and everything right so I guess Mm -hmm. yeah just like what the two years of school was kind of like yeah so the first year um and I think most NMP programs are two to two and a half years depending on how they um divide their coursework um but two years full-time is pretty much the standard um So the first full year, at least in my program, was entirely just coursework. So it's a little bit frustrating for any NNP student just because of the way the nursing boards work is you have to take, I think it's patho, health assessment, and farm. And they have to be general courses that every NP student takes. So it was frustrating for the first few semesters because I was taking adult classes mm-hmm. even as an NNP student mm-hmm. and then you just had to repeat basically those same classes as NICU specialized so that's just a little bit of a word of caution for anyone going to NNP school I was so mad when I found out I had to do the adult coursework but uh, in the same breath you never actually have to like see an adult patient so <laughs> it sucks it sucks but <laughs> It is what it is. It's just the way that um, the nursing boards work, and there's no way for the NNP school to go around that. Okay. Um, so, in addition to those three core classes that are every nurse practitioner student will take, um, the remainder of the classes were research classes, which weren't neonatal focused, but for all of those classes, you could choose your own topics to focus on. So then I would just pick a NICU topic and focus on that um, research topic throughout the rest of that course. And then the, the majority of the chunk of the coursework throughout that first year and the entire second year is all neonatal based. Okay. So for the last like year and a semester it was only NICU classes, um, which makes me feel better about being a specialized NP, I think it would be a lot harder not specializing and only having those two years to learn basically everything, like every population, every specialty. So that's another reason why I either wanted to do pediatric NP or neonatal NP, just to focus that down a little bit, made me feel like the schooling was better preparing me for the job. So if I wasn't doing neonatal nurse practitioner, I probably would have leaned more towards 
going to PA school at that point, just because I think their coursework is a little bit more rigorous than most NP programs. But I think specifically for neonatal NPs, the schooling actually really does a very good job of preparing you for the job. Um, I felt really prepared for boards. Also, I know the school that I went to has a really high boards passing rate, um, which I didn't know um, when I started that program. But the whole, I think I had two semesters. um, In the last two semesters, there was a class in each one specifically focused on board prep. Oh, that's nice. So when it came time to take my boards, I don't think anyone feels ready, but I knew that I was because I was taking variations mm-hmm. of that board exam for six months leading up to them. Yeah. Um, and I took them right after graduation. I took them the first day Wow. that I, I could just because I figured when I'm, yeah. I'm not going to be more prepared than You're after fresh. having. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, when you say semesters, I mean, I know mm-hmm. like in generally what a semester is, but like, is there just two a year? Just the way you've said it sounds like there's so many more than, <laughs> than <laughs> would, would fit into um, two years. <laughs> so there were three semesters a year. So we went year okay. round, okay. Um, summer, winter, and fall. Okay. So it was two okay. years straight through. Um, it was doable for me. And again, I don't have kids. It was doable for me to stay full time, at least through the coursework portion the first year before clinical started. It was fairly easy to manage both school and work at that point in time. Um, But then once clinical started, you have your three full semesters and it's a full semester of coursework with the clinical added in for that second year. So that year is pretty busy. Um, I know one of the girls that I went to school with and graduated with who I work with now, she stayed full time for the clinical year and managed to make it work. Um, Oh my gosh. How do you do that? Able to do that. I I would have lost my sanity. So for me being financially uncomfortable for the year was worth um, being part time just to maintain a little bit of my sanity. Yeah. <laughs> um, because even with that, it was tricky because we would have clinical, it was usually two 12s a week that we were in clinical. So yeah. you'd be doing Plus three 12s on top of that. It was just oh my not, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're working. Oh my God. Yeah. Like Why five 12s every that? week. Plus yeah. studying, right? I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because wow. you have a full schedule of classes and all of your tests and assignments on top of that so people do it and I graduated with people that do it even with kids but I don't know how I don't know how either that's six, yeah. so 60 hours a week yeah working I don't that willpower. <laughs> so and mm-hmm. I'm sure like you know if you're working night shift your clinicals aren't necessarily going to be overnight Oh, no. Yeah. So clinicals are almost entirely daylight hours unless okay. you have some special exception that they'll allow you to do a night shift. Um, so it's basically you just live at the hospital. Even part time, I felt like I was living there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. So, so many people trans- do it, but my recommendation would be to go part-time for at least the clinical year. I guess, yeah, if yeah. you're able to. I mean, maybe some people yeah. aren't, but wow. Yeah. So when you transitioned then, you graduated, you took your boards, and then you started as an NNP. Um, how long of an orientation did you get? And what did that look like? So I got really lucky because our orientation at my hospital is six months. So I graduated with a lot of people that only get anywhere from one month to three months. One month? Um, yes, <laughs> one month. One month. And that might be a oh little God. bit lower acuity NICU, like a level two or something. Sure. Uh, which is also scary because that well, most level twos, you don't have a neonatologist on with you. So yeah, once you're that off, stuff still it's, happens. It's just you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, that's so scary. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, six months was one of the longer ones that I've heard. Mm. Um, I interviewed at four different hospitals and at one of them, it was three months at one hospital and three months at a sister hospital. So in that job, I would have had to float between the hospitals and it was three months at each, which I didn't feel was enough because one of them was a level four. NICU oh. and I don't have surgical experience so I just felt yeah. like three months wasn't enough um one of the places I interviewed was four months and the fourth place was like an open-ended we're not going to give you a set timeline we'll just okay. kind of work with you and and decide when you feel ready um which is nice but it also made me nervous that they yeah, would want it, it to be short short yeah <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. so six desperate months. times. <laughs> yes, desperate times. Um, and once I started, it was because I did clinical at the same hospital. And again, everyone knew me. On day one, it felt like it was full on into orientation. So on day one, I was already taking like a full caseload of patients and just leaning on people however much I needed to, basically. So it was kind of nice in a sense that kind of just pushed you in. It was a little bit sink or swim, but you knew you had the backup. But I think it made me more prepared in the end. So the first couple months were just absolutely awful because I was taking a full caseload from basically my first week. Um, so it, it really sucked for a couple of months, but I just think it made me better able to handle things towards the end of that six months. And even now that I'm off of orientation, I'm still never working nights alone yet. Um, I'll still never be the sole nurse practitioner on the unit, probably, hopefully throughout the summer, if they can manage. But up until this point, they've, even though I'm off orientation, they've still been very careful with giving me backup. And even more so, for the most part, I'm with a more senior nurse practitioner or PA when I'm on overnight. Okay. So I I felt very good about my orientation process, but I know that in a lot of other hospitals, it's not that generous. Um, But I do think that's something that people can negotiate in the interview process. Yeah. And how many beds is the unit? that you work on? I'm just I curious th- about the I ratio. think we're I think we're 60 beds. 
Um, um, so you, yeah. there is potential though that you would be the only NP on overnight. On rare occasions, yes, but we also Ooh. have a neonatologist in house at all times. That's so it's a, a, a lot of patients. So usually, though, our census is usually like forty to fifty, but that's still a lot for one mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so, and it fluctuates a lot. So sometimes it is busting at the seams too. <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy thinking back to when we first started in that NICU, Hannah. Do you remember what the APP staffing was like at that point? Like, it wasn't was there just one... two teams? Yeah, so there was two on during the day and one on at night, always. And the unit was smaller then, but it still is just blows my mind that that was how the staffing yeah. was for a long time. I and guess I just never considered fight. it because, yeah, like we didn't know anything different, you know. So it was just yeah. like, well, that's just how it is. Yeah. But it is crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. So the culture of APPs has changed on our unit drastically over the last five years. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be working <laughs> in this unit as an APP. And even some of the places I interviewed at, even them knowing that I was a brand new NNP, not all NICUs have neonatologists on overnight. Like mm-hmm. I interviewed at a level mm-hmm. three hospital where there was not a neo on overnight and there was a potential where I, it would just be me in a level three high risk delivery hospital. It's all and on you. Yeah. It's just absolutely terrifying to me. I could never even fathom that, especially a level three, even I don't care how many years of experience I have. There's no way I would ever work at a level three without a neonatologist in-house um and as far as level four goes i don't think there's any hospitals at least i hope not that wouldn't have a neonatologist on overnight yeah yeah That's a little yeah scary. not in my experience um yeah that is so crazy like and i don't blame you i wouldn't want to work anywhere where there wasn't a neo one either mm-hmm. um even in like the level two that i'm gonna be in they get 28 weekers like oh wow yeah, so that's very low for a level two. I yeah, feel. and like stable twenty eight weekers, but you never know. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Stable I mean, you quotation get, marks. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. You could be at a level two that doesn't take anything below thirty five weeks, but you don't know what's gonna roll in mm-hmm. off the street. You don't know when you're gonna deliver an HIE baby, right? And be there, um, or a shoulder dystocia gone wrong. You could be mm-hmm. full mm-hmm. code with staff that aren't really they might be trained in nrp but they might not be familiar with it because they do it once every five years yeah so right yeah i could see myself working at a level two eventually but not without at least five years of experience at a bare minimum yeah getting like a good background and good amount of Mm -hmm. experience under your belt and then hopefully it would be like a more chill place to work yeah. I mean like we said you never know but overall yeah the day-to-day yeah, you never know but you have to be prepared just in case it does like even procedurally it's yeah. one thing to do to learn the procedures in a NICU where everyone knows how to help you and everyone knows exactly where everything is and they're just handing you things and it's a lot smoother but to be in a level two where people just aren't familiar with that because it doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just you. You 
you're going to intubate, but you might have to be getting the supplies to intubate. Yeah. And while you're intubating, maybe this baby blows a pneumo and it's just you needling. It's just you putting in the chest tube. Mm -hmm. Probably no one you're working with at that level two has assisted with putting a chest tube in. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. You know, I think support is everything, especially when you're starting out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that would be one thing that I would advise people who are graduating in P school is to ask those things in an interview, like how many people are on at a time? Mm -hmm. What kind of, what are the team dynamics? Because that could make or break the situation and even like shadowing somewhere for a day or two before taking a job would be ideal. And I know like when I was interviewing, I wasn't even allowed to be on site to interview at any of the hospitals because it was right in the midst of COVID. Wow. So that was another reason where I I was almost positive that I was going to end up in our NICU that I had been at, but I just needed to interview to keep my options open and, yeah, you know, just to compare salaries and things like that. But I wasn't able to even shadow in any of the units. My interviews weren't even on site. So Wow. It it was like, well, I, I'm not going to leave this place where I know everyone and I'm comfortable to, I don't even know what this unit looks like. I feel like you're in the right place anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, What was I going to ask next? I forget. I had one. Um, <laughs> I was eventually going to ask about like 24 hour shifts and. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's very intimidating. (laughs) How does Mm -hmm. one survive? (laughs) Yeah. So I was really nervous about 24s and I, for a long time said when I was in clinical, like those aren't going to be for me. Um, on our unit, a lot of the APPs work 24s because they prefer them. Um, but they're not required. So there's a night shift requirement, but you don't have to work a 24. You could separate your days and nights if you wanted to. So I worked a few on orientation just as like a trial to see if it's something that I would even be able to survive. And I was pretty sure that I wouldn't be able to survive. Um, But I actually ended up liking them. So I, for a while, um, for my first year of school, I was working straight nights just because I felt like I got so much studying done at night. So I grew to really just prefer a night shift. I I got used to the lifestyle and I stopped feeling so terrible after I got used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was really dying through clinicals being mostly daylight and most of my orientation was daylight. But then once I started working 24s, I realized I didn't feel that much worse after 24 than I did from just a one isolated night shift. So usually, especially because I'm never alone at night and hopefully won't be for a while. Um, there's almost always opportunity to, to lay down for at least 45 minutes on a bad night. So even just getting like a one hour power nap or even, I can't sleep at work yet just because I have too much anxiety, Mm -hmm. but even just to lay in a dark room with your eyes closed for 45 minutes to an hour just feels totally refreshing. And I don't, I know you, Hannah, at least have worked in California and had, 
you guys have like nap nurses sometimes, don't you? So you could yeah, you lay down just, on shift. So I feel like people just don't care. They're just like, <laughs> I'm going to go to the empty room and take a nap. Okay, here's my kids. I'll be gone. <laughs> and then they just leave for an hour and you're just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they like stack their breaks, yeah. but also still take their other breaks. <laughs> so. Especially the older yeah. nurses because they're like bold and they're like, no one's going to stop me. You know, I have seniority. I can do whatever I want. True. <laughs> but so those nurses can probably tell you like, just closing your eyes for 30 minutes during a 12 hour night shift, you're going to feel so much better than Mm -hmm. if you didn't and it's a lot different than working night shift as a nurse so like when you're night shift as a nurse you still have your three patients you're doing the same exact care that you'd be doing on a daylight shift it might be a little bit calmer on the unit but you're still doing the same amount of work at night than you would on daylight whereas a nurse practitioner like you do almost the entirety of your work on daylight And then for the night shift, you're really just there as a call person. So you're not, unless you're getting a bunch of admissions or doing some procedures, then of course you're going to be up at the bedside. But unless something specific is going on that requires you to be at the bedside, you have a lot of downtime at night. Yeah. There there are bad nights, obviously. Um, But I haven't had a ton of bad nights to where I'm scared of the 24 yet. That's good. So I'm at a point where I I actually do prefer them now that I'm getting used to them just because it opens up your week a lot more. Yeah. That's so true. That, that, You're yeah, there. That extra, yeah, that extra bit of tiredness the next day, which, again, doesn't feel that much worse than a night shift for me, is worth it for me to have an extra day off to be away from the hospital. That's fair. If that makes sense. It so, does, Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you do? People... Oh yeah. Go. I was just gonna ask. Yeah. Is it like a twenty-four and then a daytime shift or a nighttime shift? So it depends on how you break it up. Okay. Um, I prefer nights, so I like to do a twenty-four, then maybe a twelve-hour night shift later in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of people that are point nine, which would be, you know, like three twelves a week. They'll just do three twenty-four hour shifts in the pay period. Oh, so they end up with 72 hours. Okay. Yeah. So then they're only working three days over the two weeks. So when you break it up like that, it feels like you have a lot of time to recover from the 24. Yeah. Sounds like it. So if you do one at the beginning of the week, you might not have to go back until the beginning of the next week. Mm-hmm. So That's true. It's, I've never it's thought about it that way before. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then for a lot of my coworkers, most of them have kids, so it's really beneficial for childcare purposes to be at the hospital. So many left days if you work the majority 24s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. A, a lot of people can get away with having to take their kids to daycare because mm-hmm. of the 24. Yeah. So um, it was something that I thought I would hate, but now it's something that I don't think I would leave. Like, yeah. If I were to go to another hospital and they didn't offer 24s, I just wouldn't go to that hospital because I wouldn't want to go back to working 312s first. Do you drink a lot of coffee? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> I drink probably an unhealthy amount of coffee. I know. I don't know if you remember this, Hannah, but when I first became a nurse and started working night shift, I like really hated nights. It's <laughs> Probably the first year. I hated it so much. And I would just, the only way I could survive was to just chug 
black coffee the whole shift and I actually have a stomach ulcer so I'm trying I try <laughs> I know it was really bad like I had to be in the hospital on a protonic strip because I was drinking so much black coffee oh my god so I learned my lesson and I think I sort of learned my limits but I still drink um a lot <laughs> wow um how many meals do you bring on a 24 so I I have a really strong hate for hospital cafeterias. So I will avoid the hospital cafeteria at all costs. I don't want to be spending any of my money at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be eating that like mediocre food. So I pack almost every meal for all of my shifts. But for a 24, I pack um, breakfast because my shift starts at 630, which that earlier that 30 minutes more in the morning just makes me so much more hungry so I eat breakfast like right when I get to work um mm-hmm. I bring lunch and dinner and then I bring two snacks for a so Sarah's walking in with like a giant yes. yeti cooler <laughs> <laughs> so it takes a lot of um prep before 24 and that's honestly yeah. the worst part of a 24 is the anxiety the pre-shift anxiety the night before Cause you're getting ready and you're just like, I'm not going to be back home for so long. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be away from my house for so long. And for me, it's like, oh, what am I going to eat? Because I I die without eating. Like I yeah. eat every three, every three hours at work, just like a baby. Exactly. Yeah. I say that about myself too. <laughs> like I can't not eat. Yeah. Q3. <laughs> I get hangry. So I pack a ton of food, a ton of snacks. I try to pack fairly healthy. Otherwise, I'll just feel so sluggish and yeah. just mm-hmm. miserable throughout the shift. So I do pack a lot of fresh foods and I spend a lot of time meal prepping before my shifts. Um, but on the days that I'm just too lazy to do that, I'll treat myself with DoorDash or whatever because it's pretty rare that I'll order out. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat from the cafeteria if I'm too lazy to pack. I'm going to order DoorDash because I deserve it for all the days that I pack all my food and yes you do I'm here I'm here for 24 hours so I deserve a treat absolutely you absolutely do but I always have like an emergency protein shake or mm-hmm. protein mm-hmm. bar um just like those protein shakes are like a perfect bar mm-hmm. I always have one in the fridge at work just for emergency hangry situations where if rounds are taking until yeah 2 oh, yeah. p.m. I'm like, I can't do this. Rounds are cutting into lunchtime. I, I just will sneak away and chug a protein shake real quick. So I that do I the same thing. So yeah, that like, I don't cry. Like, say I'm like, ooh, I have to do an ID. Like, hold on one second. I really need to go, like, eat a bar or else <laughs> I'm going to be like, like, oh, I got really angry. I won't be able to Shaking. focus. Yeah. 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 Hypoglycemic shake. Like, what's my sugar? I need an IV. Yeah. Probably. I do eat a lot of candy. Like, that is my weakness. So I try to pack healthy, but I'll I'll give in to candy or donuts in the break room. Oh, my God. And there's always stuff there. Always. Turn it down. I know. I feel like, do you think there's another specialty that gets more snacks than the NICU? No, but, and also, they're always bringing you cake. Yeah. (laughs) This NICU has the most food. Of any NICU I've ever been to. 
Like I swear, it makes me fat. There's always there's pizza, there's oh, bagels, there's donuts, there's candy. There was uh-huh. a specific night shift. This was a few years ago, but there was a specific night shift where we had like a, a dip party at night. So everyone I, I was in there a different dip. Wait, do you remember all the freaking cream cheese though? Oh, I was like every dip. My stomach had felt. I have never felt so sick. That work awful because I didn't eat anything else besides dip. Oh, it was so well, bad. I'm also like pretty sensitive to dairy, but I was like, sure, let me just eat a whole block of cream cheese tonight, and then this will probably be great. And, it's gonna be know, great. Seems like a good decision. <laughs> yeah, super fun, but yeah. probably oh overdid it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, god. No, I I do think though that like offices always have a ton of food too. Like the, so my day job is, um, I'm a case manager for a home health company and I'll go into the office sometimes. I mostly work from home, but I have to go in for meetings and there's just like literally always food all over all the tables in there and potlucks like monthly or more. So, you know, I think it's just, uh, people like to eat. All right. Last question, I think, unless we have any, and unless Emily has any more, but I wanted to ask you about Nick, you nerd, and like basically yeah, tell just, us all how the did things. You, like, what made you think to start this? What were your intentions starting out? <laughs> and how did it how blow did this, up? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> um, yeah, so it started honestly as a joke. Um, a friend that I went to nursing, nursing school with, we both would just make memes and send them to each other. Um, she works in a NICU in Ohio. So we would just like make these memes and send them to each other. It was just started out as a joke. And then I was like, Hey, I'm just going to start this Instagram because there's no NICU meme pages. And I mean, there's tons of nurse meme pages, obviously. Um, So it just literally started as a joke and we would share them with each other and whatever, use some hashtags. There was like five followers. I don't, I don't know. Like, like literally a joke we never thought it would take off and then there was one specific meme that I posted that I can't even remember what it was about um or no do you remember this was a couple years ago there was a woman in Washington that like said something about nurses just playing cards on their shift yes Yes. like (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the internet blew up about it and I made a meme about it and, um, nurse life RN reposted the meme. Oh my gosh. And I literally woke up with 5,000 followers. Just like I went to bed and woke up with $5,000 just because Evie shared one of my memes and it was the most, like the coolest thing that's ever happened because I had been following Evie forever. Like loved him for years and years um probably since nursing school so it was just surreal that he even I don't even know how he would have seen it other than just a hashtag um and then it kind of snowballed after that because the next day one of my memes I don't even know how it happened was like in an article on the Atlantic like oh my god (laughs) but also like a little bit salty because I didn't even know like (laughs) no credit it just was there. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, like, <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> this is crazy. So I'm just going to keep posting. And then I posted anonymously for, like I said, it was probably almost two years. And 
that was mostly just because a I'm pretty shy on social media like I never post on my personal Instagram Facebook whatever Mm -hmm. like I think I just posted on my personal Instagram for the first time after my vacation and it it was like seven months or something. So (laughs) it's it's like never. Um, So it was just like a little bit shy. Then I was like, oh, people are going to think this is so weird if they know that it's me. But then I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know. One day I just had a change of heart. I was like, you know, I'm just going to post this. And there were like some other you know, nursing creators. So I was like, hey, they post memes and post stuff about their daily life. Like I could do this too. Like nurse abnormalities started out the same way with just memes. Um, and then she started just like sharing stuff about her life and she's so successful on Instagram. So yeah, like, you know what? I might as well just step out of my comfort zone a little bit here. Um, still not super out of my comfort zone, but <laughs> I think it's awesome. And you're so relatable. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think it's so cool. And like, it's, it's been fun for me, because everywhere that I've traveled to, like all the different NICUs, like, everybody follows you, like all the girls that I've met (laughs) all around the country, like everybody knows you. That's my friend. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, fun having like such a community, like, it always just jars me if I don't post for a week or two. I'll just have so many DMs of people being like, are you okay? I hope everything's good. You haven't been posting. Just wanting to check in to see if you're okay. And it's just so heartwarming that these like total strangers are checking in on me. It's just, it's just the coolest thing. But I still get so self-conscious. Like one of our doctors at work started following me the other day and like brought it up. Just in the middle oh, of the shift, and I was so embarrassed. My oh my gosh! Was definitely the color of a tomato. <laughs> like, yeah, so embarrassing. But I feel that now. So I'm still like learning to adapt to people knowing that it's yeah. me. Like now on Instagram, I feel like you have to post reels and stuff, which a I don't even really know how to do. I'm trying to figure it out. You're doing um, great. So yeah, <laughs> it's just like a whole other. Mm-hmm. A, a totally different comfort zone to be yeah not even just a picture but like a video of you is is entirely different but I mean it's fun and I might as well just see where it can take me it's yeah it's, it's a little bit of like a, a, a side hustle at the very least yeah. like I don't make real money on it but a few hundred here and there is super right. fun that's awesome um, and that's, then even just great. the people I've met like I'm obviously a clove brand ambassador and just the like the friends that I've made just through being a brand ambassador for clove just makes it entirely worth revealing myself just like just that itself the friends I've made through that makes it worth it um yeah to be a little bit shy sometimes (laughs) yeah it's cute how you're great like how many hours a week like or how much time does it take to keep that page up and going like I get so overwhelmed Um, (laughs) on Instagram yeah so not a whole lot when it just comes like memes and stuff but trying to figure out reels and stuff is pretty Mm -hmm. time consuming and I think a lot of it is just because I don't really know what I'm doing with them yet so making one takes me forever whereas someone who is like a TikTok star would take five minutes i know it's because we're all freaking um, millennials we don't know how that shit works yeah <laughs> i've never downloaded tiktok like i've never used it once so um, 
I mean, I'm obsessed with TikTok entirely, but I've never made one. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. I, I stepped out of my comfort zone on Instagram. It's never going to happen with TikTok. I was so going to say, maybe that's say, the next thing you I do. I shouldn't say ne- never say never, but. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot <laughs> of opportunity to get myself. big on TikTok. Because, I agree, but yeah. I, I wonder if we've missed the boat, but who knows? It only takes one random video or meme blowing up and exactly it's just a totally different dynamic but for the most part it's just fun like I try not to let it stress me out there were times where I was like hey I haven't been posting I need to keep up just for insights and views or whatever but I just I still look at it it's just something fun for me to do and I think that's the only way to maintain it being authentic is just I look at it just for fun. If it's ever stressing me out, I just won't post for a week and I just won't exactly. go on it. And the people will still be there. And yeah. 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 Like I don't want it to ever stress me out. And I think if I'm like pushing myself to post in an inauthentic way, people are going to notice and it's just going to be like, I don't know. I just don't yeah. want that to happen. So I just yeah. look at it as, as something fun. It's so fun and we're your fans (laughs) and we thank you so much for coming and being our first ever guest. I know. This is so absolutely my famous friend. (laughs) I know. uh, Once you blow up, you'll have to have me back. So your first friend. (laughs) Anytime at all. Thank you so much. (laughs) Next Friday, new app. See you there. I feel like we got some good stuff in there. Maybe. This podcast is produced by Emily Richardson and Hannah Quirk. The intro music is by Dan Lemire. Please help us out and rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at drunkordelirious or send us an email at drunkordelirious at gmail.com.